This week's episode is brought to you by fine CBA details, entry-level contracts, and roster intrigue. As if the Avalanche weren't competing for the goddamn Stanley Cup or something. Jesus. Roll the game blandest cog intro again. Safe to say this top line is the best in the league? Yeah, we are. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph, and you're locked into Burgundy Radio for March 9th, 2020. Coming up on the show, the Colorado Avalanche won a game with Hutchinson in net, loaned Martin Cow back to the Eagles to play Sheldon Dries, and benched Nikita Zadorov to play Kevin Connaughton. So, naturally, everyone in Avsland feels nice and screamy. But before we play the whoosh, let me tell you who my comrades are. Joining us, as always, is Earl 06. Hello, Earl. Hello, friends. And our other comrade today is Tiger Vixen. How are you, Jackie? I'm all right. Hello, everyone. We open, as usual, with a standings check, but it's pretty vague this week because we are, again, recording on a Sunday afternoon with an avalanche game later tonight in San Jose. Also, St. Louis plays Chicago. So, by the time you hear this show, Colorado will either be tied for first in the division with 90 points or second to the Blues, depending on what happens. And they will be between 6 and 8 points ahead of the Stars for home ice. Not bad. The Pacific is still a super mess, and they pretty much all play tonight. But the top two are Edmonton and Vegas, in some order, then Calgary's third. The wild card spots have Vancouver, Nashville, Winnipeg, Minnesota, and Arizona, all within two points. Anyway, the way things are shaking out, it's looking less now, like a team that would have won the Pacific will miss the playoffs entirely, and more like the top two teams in both conferences will play each other in the second round. Yay. So as far as the Avalanche go, this past week has been pretty cursed. On Monday, Colorado roll into Detroit and play a completely unwatchable game, but they do win 2-1. Just as everyone predicted, those two goals come from Vladimir Mesnikov and Logan O'Connor. Hutchinson was only asked to stop 18 shots, and he pulled it off 17 times. I, for one, was frightened in this game really often by his goaltending. How about y'all? I think it was, it was the first period that really scared me. I think he did end up settling back a little as the game went on. Um, I, I don't know if that's something you can say, yeah, we expected that just because he's with a new team, or it's just he was bad and the Detroit just got bad as the game went on. But I I felt more confident in him as the game went on. Yeah, I I agree that the first was definitely rough. He had to make some saves in the third period, and, and I believe... Uh, it was the end of the second period as well. So he settled in. He did okay. He did his job. They got a win. But it will be interesting to see how much they use him moving forward. If they're willing to do it on this upcoming back-to-back. If they're willing to do it at all. So we'll see. But he so it did sounds fine. like Los Angeles would be a really poor choice to put him in. again, um, Just because they're... They're a high-volume shooting team and playing really well. But then we get back to the same argument of, if you're playing Frank through a back-to-back, then what's the point? Yeah, I'm I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) It's not not a great option, but, you know, you're kind of... You're not faced with any good options, really, except for... A surprise return by Mr. Grubauer. And and you don't have the worst NHL team in several decades waiting on the other end of this back-to-back. You've got the New York Rangers. Yeah. 
So it, you've you've got to you've got to make your choice here, unless you want Franzos to start four games in six days. Yeah, maybe Again. it's just best to bite the bullet and play him against LA, but. And this is again without any knowledge of when Philip Grubauer is returning. You know, he he did skate while the guys are on the road trip, so you know, does that mean he's close? I don't know. So that that's the next factor, but yeah, there's there's a lot of X factors. Just it's always hard for us to remember the first game of the week because it was several months ago. Um, but this game was particularly hard to remember because most of us probably did not look at our TV screens for more than half the game. Yeah. It, so it was I not it pretty. A certain someone was still playing on the team, but, you know, we'll get to that. <laughs> Boy, will we ever get to that. Yeah, I, I spent most of this game drawing a line of pyrotechnics on, on my This Game Sucks drawing, so... <laughs> Had to do something exciting. Yeah. I I think the best part of this game was for me was that it was early enough that I could watch it live. <laughs> You're welcome. What a gift. <laughs> <laughs> and they, for as bad as Detroit is, which they are, the two games that the Avs have played them, they have played hard. This they didn't give up in either of those games, so I don't know if it was just some sort of rivalry or getting up for a good team or what it was. But if Detroit played like that, th there's no way they'd have what thirty-five points or whatever it is they have. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I, I agree. I it they don't look like a team that's much worse than the Avs were three years ago. So it's it's a little baffling. It, it's important to remember that their goaltending for, like, two-thirds of the season basically didn't exist. That doesn't yeah. And we, we got Bernier both times, right? Yeah, and, and, and Bernier hasn't been good, but he's been the better of the two. By far. <laughs> I think Jimmy Howard hasn't won since October, like, something absurd like that, so... <laughs> he's on quite a streak. He's on a streak like Michael Hutchinson was on until the Avs saved him from it. So you're welcome there. Then on Wednesday, despite still icing a depleted roster, and let's make a list real fast. Mikko Rantanen, Nazem Kadri, Matt Calvert, Andre Burakovsky, Kale McCarr, Philip Grubauer. All out with some flavor of injury. And Willie. And, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> but the Avs still basically kicked the hell out of the Anaheim Ducks in a single home game, slapped haphazardly between two road trips because the NHL scheduler is an asshole. But they lose 4-3. Because they just can't buy a break all game long. Nemesnikov scores early in this one. Gabe Landeskog and Nathan McKinnon both contribute on the power play. That's three points for Landeskog on this evening. But the Avs draw iron, I think the final count was five times? Yeah. And then with under two seconds to go in overtime, they and it's, which is an overtime they dominated, by the way, Ricard Raquel puts a BB off the tip of Sam Girard's stick blade and it goes straight into the top corner. Okay. Avs fall for yeah. three, and as you might have noticed, I blame a lot of that on bad luck. You? Yeah, I'm I'm right with you there. Um, I, I think what, I think two of the posts were in overtime as well. I mean, it was just ridiculous. Um, this was just this was a tough game, just because the Ducks seem to have they seem to have a strategy that that maybe not too many other teams have figured out as far as exploiting. 
um, the Avs' lack of prowess in, in the defensive zone. I mean, they they really were able to, I guess, fool the defense and, and get some really easy chances, which they scored on. I remember more of the dumb mistakes in this game. And this was the game that has at least temporarily ended Zdorov's career. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, yeah, they had stretches. Like you said, the overtime, for as much as people say the Avs can never win in overtime, they did have the puck that whole overtime. So, yeah, they should have. Yeah, they were fantastic. Got, got something in the net then. So, I mean, Sam's breakaway, uh, I mean, that's, you know, that is as grade A as a grade A chance gets. And I, I'm not saying he should have scored because everybody else should have scored too, but. You know, I mean, that, also, that was sort of the the flagship of all the great chances that were missed. It, it's also Sam Gerrard on a breakaway like that. That never happens, and it may never happen again. So, expecting yeah. him to have any idea of something to do anywhere in his mind is not realistic. Like, right? He's probably somewhere between fifteenth and eighteenth in the shootout queue. Yeah. Like, so putting a shot on goal <laughs> is a victory there. And, and I think we also need to have a moment of silence um, in honor of Ryan Getzlaff, who was brutally murdered <laughs> yeah. by Nathan McKinnon. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, th- there was a lot to like about that overtime. I mean, most of the time when the Avs lose in overtime, you're just, oh, you know, it, it really hurts. But um, and, and it is they played so over- well, and you could you could have seen them win, you know, at, at any one of ten times during that whole five minutes or four minutes and 58 seconds. And as dumb as it, as it is to lose with two seconds left, it's a shootout's a total coin flip. So either way, it's they had their chances by that point. So whatever. Yep. And even though they did uh, score twice on the power play, one, it was funny because the McKinnon goal was straight up off an entry. Yeah, so. that, that's it counts as a power play goal because it happened on the power play. But is that a power play goal? It's not a Ray Bennett power play goal. <laughs> right, it just shows they're just so much more dangerous on the entry. And that's happened several times. I think Miko's had several entry power play goals. So this is how we fix the power play, right? The Avs win the faceoff, skate it out. Nobody cares. If you don't have a good one-timer, just, we... just skate it out. <laughs> All yeah. Right, so here we go. We all get set up in the neutral zone. We make our shitty drop pass to Nathan McKinnon. He skates in. He looks for a shot. If he doesn't have it, he looks for another forward to pass it to. If they don't have a shot, get back out. Just leave. They could I reset more like they do on three on three. I think it'd be great because, you know, if, if they just bugged out and the defense would be sitting there in their little box being like, where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> What do we do? They'd be like, this is great. I'm fine with this. <laughs> and and then now you've got Nathan McKinnon bearing down on you again, and you're a lot less fine with it. It'd be a lot... Yeah. It'd be, be vastly superior to what they do now, which is, you know, pass around the umbrella, which you, even Snoop knows that you're not going to score that way. Correct. I hope Snoop's there again in L.A. Yeah. He's our that late night That could be the buddy. highlight. If we're yeah. watching midnight hockey, we gotta have some Snoop action. <laughs> y'all can do that all y'all want. Y'all ain't gonna get no points. 
<laughs> so true. So true. So finally for us, on Friday, Colorado plays their annual goalie loss in Vancouver, 6-3 your final. That isn't entirely fair, and I know it. Like, Pavel Francouz was far from the only out to have a rough night. And, you know, he's been one of the NHL's three stars of the week twice in a row. So, he's allowed a stinker, okay? Another two-point game for both of McKinnon and Landeskog. Gabe with one of the goals, the other two to Eric Johnson and Valeria Nachushkin. But, ugh, this game was a disaster. Defense and goaltending, optional, both ways. And that made it wildly entertaining, but, ooh, disaster. The final does include one goal scored with like 3.30 to go and an empty netter, so it was closer than 6-3. And this ends a nine-game point streak, dating back to the Tampa game right after the stadium series. And the story we're seeing a little bit out there is the Avs are slumping because they've dropped their last two, and that's just that's not a true story. Anyway, weirdness of this game aside, you can't really talk about it without talking about the roster the Avs chose to ice, and for that, I step aside. Go ahead. Make it make sense. <laughs> oh boy, where to start? I mean, is this where we're going to start about not having Cout? Among other things. <laughs> okay, let's start with that. Then then we have a few other issues to get to. So, so, of course, as people know that they sent Cout back after his eighth game. Because if he plays ten games, which would have happened on this road trip, then... A year of his entry-level contract kicks in. And I was a little surprised. I, I'm not shocked because I knew that, that him making the road trip was going to be pretty much the decision point. But I was still very, very disappointed because he had proven that he could he could help them win, first of all, and that, and that he belonged in the NHL. And... And then the other part of his ear alternate is dries, but we'll get to that. Um, and I know a lot of um, people say that, that the reason to do it for the ELC was a fair reason. And I don't see it as much because to me, the ELC doesn't mean much. It doesn't mean that he's exposed in the expansion draft. It doesn't mean that it's an RFA year. It doesn't mean it's something like a waiver exemption year or anything like that. If if those things were true, then then I could see it being a much more valuable thing for the Avs. But his contract already slid once, so it's going to be a five-year ELC, which is borderline crazy as it is to begin with. And then the whole like saving money part is a very vague idea that may or may not even come true. Like now they have it set up where he's going to need a new contract when McKinnon does. So the longer you push out a contract, the more expensive it gets. Even if he doesn't have some sort of enormous year where he's going to get paid a ton, you're just always going to get paid more with more experience and pushing it out longer into the future, the cap going up the comparables going up, it's always going to be more. So basically you're trading a cheaper year, or a cheaper contract that would start the year before McKinnon's contract for a more expensive contract that would start the year McKinnon's contract starts. Then the other thing is, how do you even know what his value is going to be? The most important thing about Martin Cout having value three years from now is that he has value. 
So him playing in the NHL, he's him getting development that way is so much more valuable than some sort of made up situation. Like he still has to be a player you, you want to sign in three years. He has to be a player that's worth getting a substantial raise. Even if he sticks as an NHL player, he could get a cheaper one way or one way contract. Like, like let's say Kamenev. Kamenev this year is on a, it's like $735,000. It's a one way. It's cheaper than what his ELC was. Since Kaut has a first round ELC, it's a fairly expensive one. It's not inconceivable that he could be on a one way contract that costs less money when it ends. So, for all these reasons, it doesn't make sense to me to to halt what he was gaining out of getting in the NHL, which to me is way more valuable than anything he's going to get with the Eagles. And this whole, like, oh, everyone's going to be back soon. Well, who knows? They play eight games in two weeks. So if he could have had another eight-game stint, it, that would have obviously multiplied what he got out of the first stint. Just think about how far he's come in eight games and how much of a difference that's already going to make in his career. So I would say it's not insignificant that he would have gotten five, eight, maybe more games. And and the other thing is someone else is going to get hurt to play every single other day for a month and to assume that nobody else is going to get hurt, I think is foolish. So the question now becomes if someone else goes down or someone goes down in the playoffs, are they willing to bring him back? Are they willing to actually play the best players they can? Or have they decided that he's done because of this very artificial excuse, basically? And there's always the concern, how long is it going to be till he gets back? Is, is he for sure going to be on the roster in the fall? I doubt it. Is he going to be that mythical first call-up that everyone always says happens but doesn't? Are they actually going to stop using AHL vets and use an actual prospect as your first call-up? Or is he going to sit around until next February when they're fin- their hands finally forced? So I'm disappointed and I'm concerned and I'm still bummed out about it. The end. Let me <laughs> ask an arcane question before we think too much about you know, far future and look at near future. Um, do playoff games count toward the ELC slide? Yes, they sure do. And that's part of my problem with this is they've boxed themselves into a corner. Now they've said that they don't want him to activate his ELC this year. Publicly. So outwardly, it's not, we're not guessing they said that, which I am glad. I mean, it's as stupid as it is. I'm glad they at least had to say it because he had performed so well. Right, but that's but also now... so annoying. Like you're going to tell us why you're making <laughs> decisions based on contract status, but you can't tell us what's wrong with Andre Burakovsky. Yeah, but the thing is, is if it, I mean, if they do need to call him up again, and you know, if they have a long playoff run, it's it's perfectly conceivable that he's going to have to come back and play. Um, you know, even if they put you know Dreiser Tynan ahead of him, I mean, there there are situations where you might see. Martin Cowett as the best option to call up during the playoffs. And, and they, put themselves, be- <laughs> they, they put themselves in a situation of looking like fools uh, for not letting him play more and trying to save some money three years hence. Um, 
and I mean, it's. I think it's actually fairly likely they're going to need him again this year. So it it just looks it makes them look dumb for saying that. Um, and the other th- problem I have is he's definitely one of the twelve best available forwards, and they're not using him. And as a fan, I have a problem with that just because, you know, I, I feel a little bit cheated. I think this is kind of a ripoff just because they're trying to save like a hundred thousand bucks in two thousand twenty-two or whatever it is. Um, you know, yeah, what I, message? Do I want to watch the best team possible, and we definitely didn't see that against Vancouver. And you know, for some silly administrative reason, it it just really doesn't sit well with me at all. And we we always hear so much about merit, and you get what you earn, and and then people always say that NHL wins are the most important. Wins today are the most important thing. Until this happens, and then they say something totally different. And yeah, and so it pretty much just sends the message they're just treading water until the playoffs, which. I don't take this whole, ooh, we might catch St. Louis as like some big, interesting thing. So if that's their goal, that's fine. But then play. Well, I mean, they sure aren't going about it. it. I mean, they, they, they sure didn't ice the best team possible on Friday night. And, and that just says to me as a fan, they're fine with second place. And again, right, exactly. That's, that's and- just not cool. I'm not cool with that. But then, then you get into if you're not cool with that, then should they have done everything possible at the deadline and blah 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 but when you right and that playoffs, and that's the point i made in my article is like how can i not be hypocritical and blast this move yet say it was great that they didn't go bananas at the deadline and that that's something i struggle with but, but i, I do playoffs, feel that this is different but i say yeah, in the playoffs you can't have you can't if you're sitting there using dries in the playoffs you failed you failed on mm-hmm. multiple levels you right the fact that you right that you don't place winning this year in the playoffs above, like you said, saving maybe a hundred thousand dollars, that's crazy. Then the other thing is if you, if you don't have anyone else ready that you're using drives in the playoffs, you failed at development again. Like your fourth year pro, you written off. You got rid of your third year pros. Your second year pros are all pretty much having their career incinerated. So and the first year pros haven't earned their dues. So yet again, here we are. We're not developing anyone. Yeah, and it's just again. all right. Look, I don't want to tool on Drys just because he really has had a good bounce back year in the AHL. Um, but you look at his numbers in the NHL, and it's like when he's on the ice, he's just as offensively sort of a drag as TJ Tynan was, and, and obviously Bednar doesn't like either of them that way. He had two um, minutes and, and, and 45 seconds before the empty netter. Right. And he gave, and, and he and he contributed to giving up a goal in two minutes and 45 seconds. So you can't even right. say, like, you know, we understand it's easy to pick on the fourth liners, but what difference does it really make? It uh, Truly, at this point, it is making a difference. When you're talking about count somebody that actually made a difference. And it's beyond just the two goals and the assist. If you look at his numbers, they've all been very strong. He's he's created shot attempts and scoring chances at the rate McKinnon does. So and it's not just that. He can play a role <laughs> higher than Dries does. Like he can go up and play, you know, third line minutes, a third line role with, with Belmar and, and you know, be able to help with with that kind of work, whereas you really can't do that with Dries. So it's just 
it's just another way that it doesn't sit well with me from a competitive standpoint. You know, this whole issue. So, and it blows out another one know, of the arguments out there, which is, well, there's no room for him on the perfectly healthy roster. First of all, which is mythical, but but second of all, yes, there is. You bench Kamenev and you bench Nieto. Problem solved. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're at least three well, just, guys that's a, returning. That's a decision you make later on. I yeah. mean, he, other than an administrative reason, there was no reason to send him down. And that's, you know, it's just, it's not a great look. It's just irritating to to hear the the argument over and over that this, this problem is a two years later problem. But Martin Cout having his contract come up in three years instead of four is a right now problem. Really? Yeah. And if you and blow out your cap, if you blow out your cap before the Nathan McKinnon right <laughs> contract season, you've already failed. Yeah. Right. There's no way they can sit at the cap the year before he gets paid, even if they add a few rentals. There's no way they can skim at the top of the cap that year. And if Cout's yeah, contract, I mean, Cout's does contract that, is going to be a, a nice. Gr- <laughs> Cout's contract is going to be a small gratuity compared to Max's contract, so it's just that's, you know. It's, and like it's I said, it could even be less. It could even be less. They could be giving him like an eight hundred or fifty thousand dollar one way deal, like what Newcad, and it's less than what his deal. I mean, the hope is. is that he's going to earn something that <laughs> right. you know, like JT Comfer did. You know what you have to do to earn that? You have to be in the NHL. I mean, uh, I mean, that's a good point. What is the chance <laughs> that Martin Kaut is what the NHL staff think JT Comfer is? I hope I mean, so. He's different. I, I, I mean, I, I think their skill sets are a lot different. I mean, like role wise, though. Yeah, I mean, as far as value to the team and where he can play in the lineup, yeah, I think that it's pretty similar. I mean, I think it's better actually. I mean, honestly, I think Comfer should be a fourth liner, and and Kaut should probably play a little bit higher. It's just an experience issue right now. So Martin Cow goes down, and Shane Bowers gets called up. Wait, no, he doesn't. What? What's it gonna take? It's tough. I watched. I watched the Eagles game last night, and you know he was looking real ready, and that's also tough. You, it used, is. If you're saying you've used this prospect's little little pre ELC window. Okay, we're going to send him back because we don't want to burn his ELC. You got another prospect, dude. Right, exactly. Prospects. You... You've got a guy that can help your team. And again, I, I, I hate tooling on drives just because it's low-hanging fruit, but it's just, you know, but you do have options. I mean, he said 30%. He doesn't deserve it. The does. administration he does. He has, does. He has played terribly. But he it's really not, has. It's not his fault that he's put in that situation. Yeah. That the, he should never be called. I mean, he's trying hard and doing the best he can. I'm sure. Sure, it's just, I'm sure you know... he is. I'm sure he is. And it's clear Bednar does not want to play him. He's yeah. played one of the least of any call up after spending nearly 40 games on the NHL roster, or was it 40 exactly? Last year, they do not want to play him. the The three or whatever games that he's played, Bednar has actively tried to play him as little as possible. Yeah, and I, and that's something you can understand with a guy like say this is Dry's first call up or something like that. You're like, yeah, okay, maybe getting getting his feet wet. You're not going to play him much in in this kind of game, but 
you know, with the experience that he has with the Avs already, if if the staff just aren't in, <clears throat> the staff aren't into playing him more than three minutes, then you know, there's that, an issue here. That's why it feels like it's a Billington issue. Like I I can't imagine this was Bednar's favorite idea. And the thing is, through this whole thing, we have not complained about Logan O'Connor being on the roster. He's been fine. He's been fine. He, yeah, he has yeah. been. And he scored two point. goals. I'm, I'm not complaining about him. Like, he is fine as a call-up and as it, in whatever role that, that they have him in. That fourth-line energy guy. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Jack Skilly. Yeah. Maybe not someone that you're going to ha- want on your team all the time, but as a call-up, he's perfectly fine. Jack Skilly's yeah, a really good no comparable to there. me because he he does yeah. exactly what Jack Skilly did, except Skilly kind of stopped doing it after like a month. <laughs> <laughs> so it's what they're doing with with O'Connor is fine. I still would have Cout instead of him, but oh yeah, his he does have usefulness to the Avs, and at least he was the right choice for that spot but it's a you call just... up that helps the team imagine that yeah. right and someone that's not ancient and someone that still has a possibility to carve out a role and this and that but if yeah like going back to the whole if you're pretty much acting like you're okay with getting second in the division then this is the exact time you can give those minutes to prospects that they're so secure in their positioning gonna make the playoffs probably going to be the second seed. This is the the luxury of having minutes available and games available. And there's an opportunity because of all the injuries to give guys like Timmons and Bowers and people that you actually see a future in those minutes that this might not happen again. No, we were talking about Shane Bowers, but you just said another name. What was that name again? Timmons. Well, who's that? Yes. Allegedly, this defenseman that they have high hopes for. Oh, I see. No, you're thinking of Kevin Connaughton, who they called <laughs> up and and benched Zadorov and played Kevin Connaughton. And I know yeah, I'll get flamed for this, but he was fine too. You're not going to get flamed for that because he was totally fine, and everyone thinks he was fine. He he was even decent to good in the offensive zone. I still don't love his defending, but as a yeah. whole, yes. He was fine. He did not cause the loss there. He, he can't think of any one terrible mistake he, he made. He was so the it, only defenseman not on the ice for a goal, honestly. So. I liked the, the so, yes, time in the defensive zone when he just kind of got like shoved off the puck like he didn't even exist. <laughs> but other than that, yes, he was fine. Yeah. I would even say Makar's out for a little bit longer, which knock on wood, that'd be terrible. I'd be okay seeing him instead of Barb in some capacity. Yeah, at least really. I don't know. Barb's team. Barb's been playing fairly well lately, so Barb drives me crazy. Even on defense. Okay. Barb he's done okay too. He's for what he is, but he does has not earned the guaranteed unquestioned in the lineup every night. If Makar's out for the next week or two and you have Connaughton on the roster, I would like to see those two trade off as much as possible. That's Assuming Z gets out of the doghouse. We should probably talk about why Z wasn't in the <laughs> l- lineup, though. Yeah, why don't we do that? So the, the, the first and I think the most important reason that Zadorov was not in the lineup is that Jared Bednar treats him differently. And I, I have enough faith in, in Bednar as a coach to 
to assume he probably knows what he's doing and that it's probably effective to treat Zadorov differently. Yeah, I, I agree point, with this. I, I'd say yes, he's done well with a, a vast majority of the players on the roster, but at this point, with his age, his experience, how long he's been around Bednar, I think the time for the messages is over. He's, he's not going to change because he sat out two or more games. No, I don't think this was a message. <laughs> if, if he truly believes that Barbario and Kanat give him a better chance to win, then he needs a lie detector test, because that's not true. I just, I, I, think, I think the dynamic between the Avs and Zadorov is a little bit toxic right now, and, and it's just, then they, they should have traded him at the, dread, yeah, they should have traded him at the deadline. And I, I think the assumptions that went into not doing that, I mean, maybe they just couldn't get what they needed to get for them, and, and if so, then, then it is what it is. But, you know, it, it, it's, it's become fairly obvious since the deadline that, you know, Z's heart really might have been set on leaving. And <clears throat> so what, what do you do now? I mean, it's just it, you have a guy that's, that's good enough to play but he's just his heart's not in it, or he's just not responding to the coaching staff anymore, or whatever the reason is. But you know he's almost unplayable, and so that's just I don't a, think a hole in your roster. Bad. Like you, you look at his numbers over the last few games, over the last month, and he has not been the worst defender by far. EJ is pushing him for worst in certain categories. I, I, I mean, I don't think it's, it's something like you that. can explain with numbers, though. I, I just, I, I think it's taking shifts off. I think it's missing assignments. It's just I not don't see, I don't following through with bad. things that the coaching staff is, is talking to him about. I, I don't think he's playing like Connaughton did for the first few months with the Eagles, which is like what you described. I don't think he's disengaged, doesn't care is moping. No, I don't think it's gone to that point. I, I mean, like, I don't think it's like 100% that, but I, I just, I, I think that there's just enough of that, that it affects his game in, in such a way that it, it it's hard but, for the staff to play him. We've talked about this before. He needs the minutes. He needs a role. He needs direction. He really thrives when you give him a top forward to shut down. And this happened not, it was just two weeks ago against the Islanders. They had him and Sam shutting down Barzal, and he did it. He played 19 minutes that game. He was very good again. And then since then, he's seen his minutes drop. We, we know that when he plays 13 to 15 minutes, he's not effective. He's not in the game. He's not engaged. He's not going to be physical. He's not going to be as focused. So I'm not saying just hand him that all the time, but he, you also know what makes this guy work. You, you need to meet halfway. You, you need to... I mean, I mean if, if you right, say, with... say the staff has been meeting him halfway a lot for a long time and it's just not working. I mean, I can see just being fed up with it. But again, without knowing that dynamic, speculating on this is is a little weird. But there, I, I have a feeling they're going to need him playoffs. Maybe someone and else they need him right now, and they're going to either going to play him a ton, and he's going to excel like he always does. And I I understand the stuff that Bednar hates the most is the soft play, and is is he the one that does that more? than the others i could say yes i could say that graves and ej and cole all have a, make a ton of mistakes turnovers bad decisions ej's looking more washed up by the day 
but is is it the soft stuff that Benner hates the most? I could say yes. I think there's also an angle here where Zadorov's ice time throughout the season has slowly gone down, gone down, gone down. So, I mean, when, when you're comparing who's making more of the bigger mistakes and you're comparing other numbers as well on top of what you're seeing out there, you're comparing them against people who are playing five, six, eight more minutes a night against stronger competition. Yeah, I could see that too. But it is a matter of well, you didn't trade him for whatever reason. You have to make it work. I I don't think they can just wash their hands of him and just say it's you're not what we expected. You're inconsistent, and we're just done with you. Because I think playing him and finding use for him makes this team better. It will make them better in the playoffs. They're going to need his physicality in the playoffs. They're going to need the ability to match him up against the team's top forwards. Maybe he's not going to do it to the degree when, when he has that assignment all the time, but they're going to need him. Like This is a guy, he is one of their top six defensemen, and you can't just cast him aside. It, if you're going to try to win the cup this year, you have to make it work. Yeah, what I'll, if they're I'll agree just with that idea. dissing him right now so they're making a hole for Bo and Byram? <laughs> I mean... That's probably I what wish, it is. I yeah. wish so much that's what it is because Byram had another incredible weekend. He looks ready. He looks ready for the next challenge. He's not going to come in and be my car, but I wish they thought that way. But considering their, cons- their conservative nature and how they just treated Kout, I doubt it, but Byram does have that pedigree, and pedigree makes the Avs do things. But I mean, I'm sure they love Byram. I mean, how can you not? So I don't think they love him enough. I really don't. I th- uh, is it possible I to this. love him enough? Uh, they don't love him as much as I do. <laughs> well, there, there's also that, that memory stuck in their head where he came into the preseason and, and was pretty obviously to everyone not ready. Yeah. The other thing with he, him and Dormember... He's gone through a lot since then, too. And he, ha- yeah. he has. He's definitely gotten better defensively. But the other thing with Byron to remember now and in the future, he runs so much on confidence. It's like his engine. So if he's... If you're not like, wow, this guy's not dynamite right away, it's like he needs to get to that point. You have to give him a little bit of time. You have to let him build the confidence. And then he's gonna... He, he's gonna reward you. I would lo- I would love if they were willing to do that because it could be a spark that gets them through the playoffs. We'll see though. I if I had to bet right now, I'd say they won't, and they'd be more willing to, to play him with the Eagles, which I'd be fine with. But if you want to yeah, win a cup, way. put put the talent on the ice. See what happens. So is the difference between Nikita Zadorov and Kevin Connaughton? going to win the avalanche that game against vancouver probably not nope that was a turnover palooza it was an absolute catastrophe of a game and one defender was on the ice for four goals against any guesses um ian cole yes ian cole and he did yeah, find that... himself actually benched for most of the second half of the game. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at least there's some consistency there. So, 
you know, that's nice. Um, for me, the the sort of defining moment of the entire game was the the second goal, where he's defending a two on one, skating forwards, interestingly, and decides at the last minute to, I, I don't know, attack the shooter maybe and sort of. <laughs> I mean, can we talk about like, as soon as he players? left his man alone, the pass goes over and it's in the back of the net, and you're just like, that is a fundamental bantam level mistake that coaches teach every fourteen year old kid. And it was Pedersen too. <laughs> Pedersen knew we had him. Yeah, I mean, it's like cover the pass, let Frank take care of the shooter, and it would have been fine. But no. So I really think that we we can't do that goal justice without jumping back way farther in the sequence because yeah Cole made a disastrous decision. Because there's more decision. fun. But <laughs> before Cole makes a disastrous decision, we see Ryan Graves, I think it was, and Sheldon Dries at the same time make the same disastrous decision. Yeah. It's because the the puck kind of comes up towards the point, and Ryan Graves decides, you know what, I'm gonna pinch this. And Sheldon Dries from the high slot says, you know what? So am I. <laughs> Graves forgot he wasn't with Makar, who yeah. has covered up a lot of his pinches. And Ian Cole has not killed Makar. What? Yeah. <laughs> and I never saw, like, it's, people were saying that, that Kamenev was sort of coasting, trying to cover uh, Patterson, or, or, you know, however however it worked out there, and, and he was just a step behind, and, you know, I, think he was I, pretty I, far I don't down. think after what happened on the goal a few weeks ago against, I think it was the Capitals, that he would have done that again, so I just, I don't think he could reach the, the you know, who became the shooter. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I think he was pretty far down. Yeah. I think that happened at another, maybe it was the one you're describing, but that happened a few games ago too and i think he tries to get back he's just so far behind right yeah he was a little well bit it was, too i think it was a surprise to, to just up. about everyone that that you know double pinch happened and then suddenly the puck was going the other way yeah, and then maybe true. he doesn't have the greatest technique of trying to recover when he reaches the player but no i would not place him as one of the top three problems yeah. on that goal i think no. in general cam and i've actually played that vancouver game pretty well Oh yeah, yeah he's very physical. Very after engaged. a string of some not great games at all. Yeah, this was his but, best game in a while. Yeah, he was tr- he was trying hard. He was determined. He was he was really trying to be physical. He, cr- the way he crashed the net, and he was he was stronger on the puck. And I think he had a little meeting about those things, and he does need to do those things. But it was good to see him play better. Yeah. Yeah, because he teeters back and forth from being useless to being, you know, someone it's a shame because team. he does. He he has talent. There, he brings certain things they don't have a lot of. They don't have a lot of intelligent players. They don't have a lot of playmakers. But I I can see like he he's been very soft. Like even even just saying Bednar has no. Bednar can draw the line a little bit earlier than I would on engagement and things like that, intensity and the try-hardness, but Cam has been downright soft for a while. Yeah, I think it's the consistency of, I'm not going to say effort, but just sort of consistency of aggressiveness that, you know, that, that 
Bednar obviously wants to see from him that's that's not there all the time. And I don't know what at this point is going to change that. I guess you could say playing more. I've liked some limited shifts that he's had with top line players, but I understand at this point you can't just put him there either. Yeah. It's kind of been the Joe's problem though. They they're willing to give him the minutes and at first he didn't look great in a bigger role, but then he obviously had a few good games put together and he's kind of the same until issue, this one. Yeah. <laughs> well, he took a rough ride into the boards in this one, eh? Yeah. yeah he was having the best was... game before that, which I I now nominate Joe as the candidate for who who goes missing next. Yeah. Even though there's there's like five other forwards who wouldn't shock me if they needed some time. Yeah, I mean, you go you went to the locker room immediately after that hit. So what you do is you, you go to the locker room, you strip, you let them spray you with freezy spray all head to toe. And then you go back out and finish the game. When you wake up the next morning and you go, oh, <laughs> nope, I'm not they leaving bed today. <clears throat> yeah, they didn't call anyone up today, so I think he's okay. Um, but that that Comfort Joe Stonskoy line was was fairly tragic. They'll, they'll just in this play Barbario as, well. as a forward, and you know it. <laughs> <laughs> so they'd have to play Z though. Yeah, yeah, they've already play announced Z they're not doing that. By the way, we should we should be clear that 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 was announced before we recorded this show. Jared Bednar is going to leave Zadorov in the press box for another game, and the reason that he's catching the scratch and Ian Cole isn't, despite getting himself benched is that Cole has been playing better than Zadorov over a longer period of time. Which is... I guess? A little bit hard to to disagree with, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so, but I don't love his game in general. But sure, if if you're looking for an Ian Cole kind of game, then he's been playing it. What's what's annoying is that it's fairly well... And not, you know, Connor Timmy. He has cut out a lot of the dumb. He's cut out the dumb penalties... He's not made as many dumb mistakes. I think playing him less helps too. And yeah. you know, you know, I, I think that that's actually true. And not it's not that we're getting into March and there's fewer of the dumb penalties being called. I think he's actually cleaned his game up in in the stick penalty way. Yeah. And it you know it, it might be that actually operating on both his hips has made him a, a slight amount quicker, and he doesn't have to hold and hook uh, as much so maybe that does I don't know. That really help to me he's, he's still not quick he's, he probably will never be quick but that's okay because we knew that and when you know what you're getting into that makes anything okay right right and i know before we're talking before the game so that means dries is gonna have a hat trick Kanaan's gonna have like the game-winning goal. Yeah. Everyone, everyone, we complain about. <laughs> Sheldon Drys is gonna have three shifts and score on all of them. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna set up McKinnon. He's gonna have this like amazing stretch pass and set up McKinnon for the game winner. So, in conclusion, free Martin Kalp. Yes, yeah. please do the keep doing the right thing. Keep doing the yeah. right thing. They're not I just, I, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see them just, you know, kind of put their money where their mouth is and, and, and really say that they're putting the best team out there every night. And I mean, yeah, you can write, you can write the wrong later. And, if, and 
Does Martin Kaut make enough of a difference in the game against Vancouver? I th- I think it's possible. I I don't know that he specifically does, but I think that not having a fourth line you can't play more than three minutes maybe does. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's... it all matters. So, do we have anything else to say about the whatever happened on Friday against Vancouver? Whatever whatever that game was. It's just funny that it was like two weeks of playing against more grinding teams. It in a sick way, it was like refreshing to play more of that open skilled game yeah, with Vancouver. Can we talk about Vancouver a little bit? Like it was really easy to see in that game, like both how Vancouver's winning games and why they should not be taken seriously as a playoff team. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think that, I hope they make the playoffs because I think they'll make a fun series regardless of who they're playing against. Like yeah. there's a lot there's a lot to like on that team. There's a lot of talent. There's there's a lot of skill. Yeah, totally. They just utilize that skill by having it float way up high and trying to hit the home run pass. Yeah, yeah. boy, were they cherry picking like crazy. And against and a they team got that's steamrolled in the first period. Like, and hey, you're you're in a division full of teams that's not good. That's a pretty good strategy to get you in the playoffs. But <laughs> once you get there, you're gonna be pinned a lot. And if you're going to that... counterattack, that's not good. <laughs> One thing I'll say, like, Francis obviously didn't have a great game. I I still say that when the defense in front of him is chaotic and unpredictable, it it makes the goalie's job much harder, and and I think he was a victim of that. Yeah, like, I don't think Gruby would have shut the door on that one. I I mean, he might have guessed better. That's the only thing. It's just you're, (laughs) you're guessing with less information to base it on, and that's... You know, it just makes it more of a of a toss-up, I think. Yeah, and I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. It, you can, have, you, also have, this, you can have a bad game when there's a reason for you to have had a bad game. Yeah. And there's also, this could have been karmic retribution for Bebo winning against Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That is too. All right, let's, let's move on. Not, not that we have a whole lot else to really talk about this week. Like all the news kind of got packed into one game, and because otherwise it's just it's been kind of a weird flux transition week while we're just waiting on players to return from injury, right? Like, yeah, and and nobody's going to be back on this road trip, but they have mostly not all right, but mostly been skating back in Denver. Right, that's just going to be the big story, and I don't expect anybody this week. You just you just think about the games come so fast, and it's also going to be hard to judge because they don't practice at all, or may- maybe very little. With these upcoming games at home, they'll probably sneak in a practice in there, and I know Bednar, in a perfect world, loves to have somebody get in a full contact practice before he plays, but with so few practices, he's just not going to wait 10 days or whatever for the next one. So it could happen faster than we can anticipate. But the other thing is they don't need to rush anybody. Like the, the lineup's unsightly, but is that reason enough to push someone like Kadri or Miko a week too early? And I'd say, no, I think them skating and getting their conditioning up and getting fully comfortable to come back might take longer than people expect. 
I think the tough thing is not knowing what's wrong with Makar or Burkowski. That, that, that's, the other, the, that's the other factor. We feel like we have a decent handle on what's going on with the guys that we've seen now on the ice, which is Calvert, Kadri, and Miko. Well, we and saw Grubauer. them get hurt. Right, and, and, and so they described Makar as day-to-day and Burakovsky then as he'll miss a few games but neither of them have been seen on the ice it's going to be like a week now are it's they day-to-day but several? not a day that's anytime soon <laughs> I mean, we have no idea what happened like do we have any idea yeah. what happened to Kale McCarr right like none at all no and no. no and what makes no sense with Burakovsky is how many different things they've said it is yeah right. upper is body, it the same lower thing, body is... and he's sick so so right, he probably has like, what the hell? Yeah, he has coronavirus, <laughs> a broken leg, and a broken shoulder. Or is it multiple things egg. that happened? Because it was so weird in that game that Burakovsky played, is he started on the top line like regular, and then he finished on the fourth line. I don't think he like left the game or anything. So it was like something new happened, or well, the trainers were messing with him on the bench, and that was the point where he went down the lineup so i think at that point they knew something was wrong and he was trying to get he was trying to skate through it or whatever maybe and somebody overtuned the laser that he shoots with and just overheated <laughs> and fucked up his whole body yeah and then Makar, you i always worry when someone gets hurt in morning skate because then you start to think about okay to get hit in the head with the puck or something you know it, it's just a guess, but generally players don't go out for morning skate if they're even iffy. So that that one's really weird. At least with the Avs, most players, if they're in morning skate, they're going to play the game. So did something happen in morning skate? It's, it's very weird. But yeah, at this point, you have to think, are these guys weeks out now too? Nobody knows. Yeah, that that's what makes it really tough to say sort of what the lineup could look like soon. I mean, we know obviously the next two games, it's it's going to be, you know, the shit show. But after that, you know, it's like, does Gruby come back? I mean, is Gruby close? Because you know, he's he's been sort of a mystery injury as well. Although it's probably the same chronic thing that's been wrong with him all year. Then if um, it is, then I I'd wait on him as long as possible. It may be, but if it's, I mean, if he's fine, feels fine, and you know, the trainer sign off on it, like. I mean, right, it's going to be that delicate Frank's balance. Frank's going to need a rest at some point. Um, well, it's that delicate balance of you want them to be ready to go for the playoffs, but to to what extent? How much how much time is ready? Is is one week, two weeks? Is there about I've four been, weeks of games? And I think Nico is probably a candidate to come back fairly rapidly, just because he shouldn't have lost his legs, just because you know we know this is an upper body injury, and he right. He, I don't he's think been he's able looked to good it. on the ice. I don't. I think, I think he might be one of the last. And I agree with you because he could. I be think Calvert's last. I, I think Calvert. I wouldn't be surprised if Calvert doesn't play the rest of the year. Really? Yeah. Why do you think? I think. A, I think Miko getting it, that shoulder ready is going to take a while. I, I think Calvert with the hip um, groin issue, if that's what it is, that's that's what we've heard. Um, you know, I just think for someone that, that bases their game so much on speed, it's just really tough to come back fully from something like that. He's even and been a little also, bit slower lately. 
Well, yeah, I, don't, I think this was something chronic that finally let go. Maybe he's been it's been bugging him for a long time, and then he just caught a inch and a half deep rut in the Stadium Series game and tweaked it for good, or yeah, yeah, or it was Colt. It definitely the Stadium Series didn't help, but I guess my money's on Kadri coming back first. He was injured first, which it's... is ugly because Kadri's got the injury that's going to take the longest for him to get back to one hundred percent from, even if he's game ready. Yeah. So. I think I, I I think Miko's coming back first. I think they'll force it a little with him. Getting either one of those two back would just be incredible. Yeah, because I mean, the, the best thing about getting guys at the top of the lineup back is you're forcing everybody down and, and getting rid of somebody that, that probably shouldn't be there. They need to get a second line again, which they have not had. No, they've had the Comfort Joe second line, which has worked 0% of the times they've tried it, which is a lot of times. <clears throat> And one thing, all right, I was wondering about this, is, like, why is Nachushkin with Belmar when you've got the second line looking like that? I think um, they need to play Nukemore in general. Like, that one game, I think I, don't, I think it was the Anaheim game. Comfort played 23 minutes and Nuke played 13 minutes. Yeah, that's a joke. There, <laughs> yeah, the gulf in effectiveness between the two isn't much. And, and I it's think not they in the to... direction the team seems to think it is, either. Well, and it's just we've seen the the second line with Nachushkin, Center, Donnie looking pretty good at times. So, and I understand. All right, it, it it might be wanting to spread the talent out a little bit, or you know, wanting to have a shutdown line with Belmar and, and Nachushkin. But kind of after the game that Joe's Comfer and Donnie had on Friday night, you're like, I don't think we can do that again. Um, you know, that's that just didn't work. Yeah, I think they, they should use Nuke a little bit more. I think he's earned it. And they seem to be shuffling him around. Not really sure what to do with him. And he should PK more, too, even though the PK has had a decent stretch. Yeah, we've been saying yeah. for weeks he should be on the penalty kill, especially over Comfer. Um, yeah. But but, Com uh, but in Comfer's defense, he's actually been fairly decent on the PK after, you know, I totally blew him out of the water with a couple articles, but... <laughs> Well, the, um, the numbers still aren't there. I think the penalty killing has been getting good goaltending, and that yeah. helps, that covers up a lot. Well, I, I think what they've done that, that I've liked is they've been more aggressive, and this is the same thing that happened in mid-February last year when after they got torched by the Leafs. They, they kind of stopped being as passive as they were and started being aggressive again, and it really helped. So, you know, it's it's something I've been waiting for, and it, it you know, like clockwork, it happened again. <laughs> kind of scary right the patterns <laughs> yeah <laughs> do other teams fall into pat the patterns the and i know that that's human nature but the abs are almost like you said like clockwork predictable about a bunch of things is that well, i i think part of it stems from jared bednar being you know a fairly stubborn guy like his attitude is basically like this should work if everybody does their job and and, and I think his quick. stubbornness has helped certain things. It's a tough one because if if we took that element of him away, then we'd undo probably several things that we like. Right, because that stubbornness also means consistent consistency, and it means that he's sticking with things that that you know probably should work, and 
finally the guy's learning what they ought to do. So, you know, I, I do think there's some good to be had it from that. I, I think a lot of the stubbornness I don't like is pretty much everything to do with when the puck crosses the blue line into the offensive zone. <laughs> just just a third of it. I just think, and I know we've beat this point to death, so I'm not trying to go into it, but he just needs more assistance. He needs some some better talent, some input around him, I think yeah. would really help. Yeah, we've said this for two years. I mean, he needs to replace Ray Bennett with somebody that, that's got a little fresher take on, on how to generate chances offensively. The only thing he needs to do is to tell his team, please, if you're at the point, it is not your job to shoot Nathan McKinnon. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And do and not pass out of the slot. Don't do it. Stop passing out of the slot, too. Yeah, Mc McKinnon's <laughs> had a weird last couple of games because he's got this new move that he's decided he's going to do all the time where he gets just below the dot and then stops, spins, and backhands it in the general direction of the net. Yeah. And that, that got Eric Johnson a goal. <laughs> and otherwise... Uh? <laughs> what is this? You know what's funny? Last night I was watching the Eagles game and I saw Cout and he was he's about at the left point, about as far away as you can get from the net. And he turned around and shot blindly right from there. And I was like, good boy, you learned from McKinnon. It was on net too, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was, the goalie had to save it. <clears throat> and I was like, <laughs> that's just so funny. You come down from the NHL and you pull that. <laughs> <laughs> and he was good in the AHL, by the way. It was like, look, see what NHL experience does for development. Ah, yeah, he was fantastic last night. It's they just have to stop acting like the point shot is the goal. It it's yeah. extremely predictable. And no, it's, it's, the the, the Eagles are actually effective. pretty good. Yeah, the Eagles are pretty good at not really. Just laying on that as their only option. Oh, then, then maybe they need to call up Cronin to sit on the bench for a little while. <laughs> uh, you know, I, they could do worse than to get a little input from him, I, I guess. I honestly thought Ryan Tobler, who is the Ray Bennett of the Eagles, was really over his head for a long time. But he's turned the Eagles' power play into something that's that's actually quite effective while using the Av system. So hmm. The other thing is they start playing guys like Cow and Greer on it. Imagine! The goals start happening. Yeah. That's shocking. <laughs> but McKinnon, we've talked about his struggles the last few weeks, and he's had some flashes of that McKinnon that's really driving the bus lately. The He had one, I think it was in the Detroit or Anaheim game, it was the patented McKinnon come down the wing and he just rang it off the post. I think it was the Detroit game. It has to have been Anaheim. It was, if it was a post, yeah, it, was it was definitely Anaheim. Yeah, he was, was he was actually really game. good in the Anaheim game. Like but, He looked like the Mac that could score like three or four points in a game. Yeah, he, I think he created goals, he hit was. some posts, and he got owned by Ryan Miller. I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> exactly. So I think it's coming back, and yeah, he needed to to see a goal go in the back of the net. So I think that helps him too. And it was good that it was a Nathan McKinnon goal and not a Ray Bennett goal. <laughs> yes. Let's do stars and scratches. Who do we want to 
heap more praise on than we just heaped on Nathan McKinnon. Okay, we haven't mentioned him yet, but Nemesnikov had the first yeah. goal in Detroit and Anaheim games. Um, you know, he's over his head, obviously, on the on the top line, but it is what it is, and he's not terrible there. And, you know, being able to, to capitalize on that after, you know, he's only been with the team for a couple of weeks now, I, I think that's, you know, that that's a really good thing for him. It's going to build his confidence. Yeah, I like I like his game. I like... It's subtle in a way, but then he also just... I love how he just goes to the net. He he can stake his ground in the crease, and he can make things happen. He The Avs have always really missed a net front guy that creates chaos and that they can actually convert goals off of. And it seems like he's adding that element, which is a good thing. Yeah, I think he and Landy play really differently in front of the net. Like, Landy's actually... Landy doesn't move as much, and he's more focused on he's tipping the puck. The, yeah, he's looking for the tip. Nemestikov is... He's just going to create chaos. He's going right. to stand right there. He's going to push somebody. He's going to somehow I, find the puck. Yeah, I think that's that's good to have sort of a, a complementary style um, like those two have in front of the net so that you know, it it kind of keeps the the opponent guessing as far as what's going to happen in front of the net, depending on who's there. All right, my star. This will not shock anybody. You can probably guess it's Sam for missing that even... shot in overtime. <laughs> he, <laughs> with Makar out, the minutes that he has played, he played twenty eight minutes against Anaheim. I think the first game was 21-28, and the last game was like 25. He's been playing a ton. He's he's the one that they're leaning on with this no Zadorov, no Makar. And I think he's only had one point last week, but he's created a lot. He had a lot of great plays in that Vancouver game, and I, I think he's been their best defenseman, showing that... We, that when guys are out of the lineup and when adversity strikes that they really need him. So I think yeah, one thing I, one thing I thought was interesting was that I, I'm not sure if it was halfway through kind of when Cole got benched, but um, they took graves off of his pairing, um, which I, I, you know, I think they've been okay together. It's not, it's not sort of the same dynamic as, as Makar and graves really have. Um, but they, they put Sam back with EJ, and I, I, I thought that worked a lot better. I, I think those two are just a lot more comfortable with, with each other. And, and you know, we know Graves is probably over his head in, in certain roles, and you know, he just wasn't able to keep it up um, with, with Gerard as, as well as he does with Makar. I don't know. What, what did you guys see out of that? I'd like Sam with Z, but I guess that's not going to be a, an option. I, for I wouldn't wait a for it. I, I saw Ryan Graves get a minus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I, I think they just played Sam with everyone. I mean, when you're playing those kind of minutes, he's playing with everyone, especially when when others are benched or whatever. But yeah, the, the Sam and EJ thing works. I think there's certain games where he can't even save EJ from himself. And then they need to have a little break. But they do work. They do work as a pair. And probably one of the better pairs the Avs have. Yeah. Three games, two goals, four assists, 
I'm surprised that Gabe Landeskog is still available to take. <laughs> yeah, he's well, we like, had him last week. He's up. been he's been really good for the last month, so um, and it's really good to see. And he keeps turning it up. I, I'm curious to see how high he can turn it up. He's got a lot of catching up to do, you know? Right. <laughs> he needs to pad those assists. Um, so, yeah, it's... I, he needs to rub off on McKinnon a little bit, and I think that we've, we've just sort of seen a little bit of that in the last two games. So we asked Jared Bednar before the show for a, for a scratch, and he chose Nikita Zadorov. Who do you choose? <laughs> I'll agree. I mean, I scratched him last week and... Got your wish. Yeah. <laughs> it was... You know, it, it, it hasn't gotten better, let's say. I don't want to do it, but I'll scratch Frank. To... Really? And, I, and the thing is, I don't blame him. For those losses. He didn't but... give up 10 goals in two games. Okay, nine. Because one's an empty net. Right. Um. And I know, I maybe I shouldn't even pick him because, right, I don't have a lot of heart to put behind this. But no wins. He gave up goals. A lot of people, that's what goaltending's judged off of. But Frank's still my guy. But yeah. I got to do it this week. That's I mean, he's one. I mean, he, <clears throat> he had what six wins in a row or something like that coming into uh, the Anaheim game. Something so it's like just that? he just gonna... knew it was going to happen. Like that Anaheim game was so set up as right. He's not going to win out the season, so it's just who was the who was the goalie of record in the Stadium Series? It was Frank. Uh... <sighs> it was Frank because it was tied. Yeah, see, this is why goalie wins is such a shit stat. Yeah. It is. I'm appeasing the box score, folks. Well, there you go. Well, I think the the other like the only option left for a scratch to me that's not low hanging, but is still an easy enough choice is Ian Cole. Um, and and a low hanging would be one of our five minute fourth liners who has contributed less than nothing because they have had no chance to contribute much of anything, and when they have, it's gone very poorly. But Ian Cole, um, for reasons that we've already talked about, he had an absolutely disastrous game against Vancouver. He was on the ice for four goals. He was directly responsible, at least in part, for at least two of them. And that's the difference in the game, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's. I, I just hope that you know, sort of, all right, Zadorov had, he was on, on the ice for all three goals in regulation for Anaheim, and then you have Cole with his sombrero. <laughs> um, I'm hoping that this doesn't become a thing, like, where one guy just, just doesn't show up every game. <laughs> well, I, do, I do think part of it is they were overplaying Cole, because they had Connaughton and Barbario as the third pair, so then you put Ian Cole back in the second pair, with that EJ, which happens. never works. Yeah. <laughs> no. yeah, that pair's terrible. That pair can't get out of yeah. its own zone. Yeah, that's just, you can't do that. I mean, I would much rather, and I don't even care about how many minutes each one plays, but I would much rather have seen, you know, sort of Cole and either Barbs or Connaughton and, and EJ with the other guy and try that out. But 
I, th- I think we'll probably see Sam and EJ on the top pair to start tonight's game. It's just sad that we are, have to talk about Barb's and Kanan, and it just it's just depressing, and it just happens every year. And it's like the Avs are choosing to do this to themselves at this point with Makar out. I don't like it. So I want to make extremely clear before we get into the next week's schedule. The Avs only have three games left against teams in solid playoff positions. Three. That's Vegas next week, Edmonton the following week, and St. Louis in game 82. The rest are wild cards or worse. It's pretty fun. It's a bonanza. I mean, when the abs get better, you're always looking at this guy like, whoa, geez, you know, the abs are better than these guys. And, well, they're better. I mean, you know, when the abs are fourth in the league or whatever they are right now, they're going to be better than just about everyone they play. But having a schedule that's easy as far as only three playoff or non-wildcard teams, that's, you know, that's pretty incredible for down the stretch. And I would also, before we get into next week's schedule, like to give out one final call-out to whoever took that NHL preseason game and stuck it on my Monday night viewing last week. (laughs) Thank goodness for no more Detroit games. Yeah. Before you heard this episode, the Avs played the San Jose Sharks, and that's why Monday night is yet another traveling back-to-back in Los Angeles against the Kings. That's another 10.30 Eastern start because the NHL scheduler is an asshole. 8.30 Mountain, if you're bad at conversions. That's on Altitude 2. Then on Wednesday, the Avalanche start a four-game homestand. 8 o'clock Mountain against the New York Rangers, which is a late local because of the whole NBC Sports exclusivity window thing. The game's on Altitude. Finally, on Friday, those same stupid Canucks visit the Pepsi Center for a 7 o'clock rematch. And that's, again, on Altitude 2. We'll come at you next week on Saturday, one day early, instead of yet another Sunday game day because the... NHL schedulers decided to annoy us in particular in March. Um, it's an afternoon game on Sunday, which kind of destroys our whole recording schedule. So we'll just do Saturday. It's all good. Any predictions? Oh, it's going to be a long. It's going to be a long week. <laughs> are, are we predicting San Jose or, or just nah? Leaving that's, that that's pointless. Okay. Okay. We're, we're predicting LA Rangers and. Vancouver for the space. I was like, who's another game against? I don't know. Well, Vancouver, <laughs> you'd like to see the Avs win that one. It's especially really since hard it's... to beat a team twice in a very small yes. period of time, like you always say. Yes. Therefore, you are like... required by law to predict yes. a win there. <laughs> I agree, and I'll do it. And, and, and like yeah. you said, like 6 3 is, is not, uh, you know, a real reflection of, of how the game went. Um, that was that was a very even game, minus the errors. And this will be no, the only was, game. It was even plus the errors. The errors were even. Yeah. And this will be the only game in Denver against Vancouver. Even though the Avs are a good road team, but I think I think they can get the job done in this. The Rangers got. I hope they can win that game too because they lost to New York, and that was a dumb game. I remember that game, what they got out to a 2 nothing lead, and then just... <laughs> yep. Mailed it in. <laughs> yeah. They said, all right, our job here is done. <laughs> yeah, so... I, think there's, I think there's unfinished business in both those games. Um, and, and, and with the Kings as well. I mean, the Kings have really abused them this year. And Yeah, I'm a little Kings... worried about this back-to-back. Actually, I, I'm actually less worried, because 
I think before the Kings were just kind of crappy and playing loose. Now, you know, I, I, I don't know if they think they can make, you know, the, the final wild card or something like that. I hope but... they don't think that. I don't think so. Um, it's a little but they can definitely tough now. Yeah, they have but... 60 points, which is 16 points out with 14 games left on their schedule. Well, they yeah, can get but... 28 points then. They can do it. Um, That's why I'm a little worried about this one. They had the... What the hell? Was it the shootout win? Yeah. Wasn't the, LA, the last LA game the shootout win? Yeah, the, yes. The Avs won the shootout, and then the other LA game was a stadium series. Like The schedule this year is designed to make the Avs lose to the Kings. They yeah. don't have the count magic, so no win against LA. Sadly. <laughs> so... Hopefully they beat San Jose tonight so that when they lose to LA, it won't be... Because if they lose back-to-back these games, then, then you know, the the old writers at the post, they're going to start getting their their fingers warmed up to come up with some sort of hot take. Uh, if they go 0-3 on this road trip, Twitter's going to be unbearable. <laughs> I mean, they should be. Again, I'd the, say they like, deserve like we it. beat to death. I mean, not putting the best team on the ice for yeah. this road trip. They, they kind of deserve a little bit of a kick in the groin, you know? Yeah, but we don't, though. No, <laughs> that's true. Which is um, why they'll probably win the San Jose game so that we can't have that steaming hot. Yeah. Take I hope they beat San Jose. <laughs> I mean, just because just it's fun beating San Jose in San Jose because they just never used to be able to do it. Yeah. So San Jose have only won three of their last ten. That's not very good. No. But LA have won seven of their last ten and are on a five game winning streak. Yeah. So they're oh, ready boy. for a fall, I think. Here's and isn't San Jose aren't isn't San Jose on a back to back? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Played yesterday. Was it at home though? Maybe. Yes or I don't yeah. know. So I guess if do I care enough we're to look? adding Turns out I do. Today's game, I guess I'm predicting six points, which includes today. If not, then it's four. It was a home game back to back for San Jose. No okay. travel. <clears throat> I think they'll take out the Rangers in the in the Canucks, but I I, I don't know. I just I, I I see some magic bullshit happening in L.A. on Monday night. Not the good kind. <laughs> I don't want us to have consensus so i'm going to say that the avs run the table this week just because everyone is mad at them for making business decisions that affect the hockey team and so they're just gonna say well we're gonna prove we're right and win all these games i could see that that's the way the universe works and then about a week after they come home from california the whole roster will be out of the lineup with unknown illnesses <laughs> yeah, let's not more, hope on that too I'm not hoping one on more that. forward goes down it's just gonna be comical it's, it's rough out there already it's really rough out there already so final prediction who how many of the forwards will return to action this week I say one I'll say one as well it could yeah, be Kadri I think I think either uh, I think either Berkey or Miko comes back by Vancouver. We don't even know what's wrong with Berkey though. It's I know. true he could that's show a, back. That's a bold. Yeah, move. he could be. <laughs> <laughs> he he could just show up in L.A. And be like, "Hey guys, I'm fine." And and Jay be like, "What are you doing here?" 
the abs would do that because they won't have to talk to anybody tomorrow so they can make up whatever they want to happen. <laughs> Ryan Clark can put on his opera glasses from the press box and go, hang on, is that Burakovsky in, morning, in the pregame scale? What's going on here? No, nobody would notice, and then the broadcast would start, and then probably Altitude wouldn't notice, and then we'll be watching the lines, and we'll be like, oh. Oh, kind of like Macar was, when Macar was, was out. Yeah, they put... Like when oh Barbarian my god, was a did you guys just see that? Makar's not playing. <laughs> That's yeah, right, that Pete. <laughs> what, was, what was most embarrassing was when Barbario took his first shift as a forward and Altitude yeah. argued over whether that was where he was playing or not. And <laughs> That was great, too. And McNabb was like, yes, they had three defenders. He's playing as a forward. Was that the Detroit game? I can't remember. Yes. yes. Car didn't play Detroit. It's just pathetic. It's pathetic that you can't. The Wings broadcast had to be the ones to say Makar's not playing. That's <laughs> pathetic. That's pathetic from everyone that justifies spending money to travel and cover the team. It's pathetic. Well, it, it's pathetic I mean, it's also for your tough. own broadcast. Yeah, because, I mean, you have Keith and Riker in the studio and they're going on and on. I think one of them even predicted Makar would have, like, two goals or something like that. <laughs> it's just like, you're making those guys look like idiots by doing stuff like that. I mean, it's just... And I, mean, then the I, I know keeping like... secrets is fun, but you're really hurting the product, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and then the abs put out the wrong information, and it's just... Daily. It's sad. Just it, I know. It's, it's shocking, right? It's just like, admit it. Just admit it. Keeping it a secret isn't going to make Makar show back up. Well, just admit it. Whatever critical, important piece of information Altitude chooses to leave out next, you know you can find out here on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on BurgundyReview.com, on the Google Play podcast music. I don't really even know where it lives because I don't use that except for specifically for music. We are Burgundy Radio at all those places. We're also Burgundy Radio on on other places that don't even exist yet. Keep your head up, get to the dirty areas, and we will see you next Saturday night. This dude came into work at 6.30 in the morning last week with a truck stop pizza, or not, I mean a gas station pizza. Oh my god. I was like, that's bold, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Most guys just go to Bohangles and get a breakfast burrito, but... I did want... not go there. Bohangles. I missed it. I missed it. <laughs>